I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for what it is that we celebrate today. I just pray that, uh, that your words come through and that the life that you gave uh, becomes real to everyone today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why are we celebrating today? We're not celebrating because he's dead. We're celebrating because he is risen. Amen. People don't have any problem believing that there was once somebody in history who was a teacher and his name was Jesus. People don't really have any problem thinking that maybe he was a good teacher that had good things to say. Most people don't really have any problem with the idea that the Romans decided he was a threat and had him killed. Where we get in trouble, where people start to, to question what we're saying, is when we go one step further and say, yeah, they killed him, but he rose from the dead. Even his disciples didn't get it. When Mary came after the resurrection to tell him that Jesus had, had risen from the dead, they didn't believe her. <laughs> Even though they had multiple reports, they didn't believe. There are two more that came, Mark chapter 16 tells us, and they still didn't believe. And even the world of his day made up excuses so that they would not have to believe what really happened. And then there's one more thing that gives us pause as we share this wonderful message. It's when we say that Jesus is the only way. But he is the only way. Because he's the first one born from the dead. He is the only one who rose. Amen. <laughs> The resurrection is crucial to our message yes. because it validates everything that he claimed to be. It completes the gospel message. And we know it happened. Let's turn uh, or, or read along as, as we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I didn't get to practice this quite enough, so I hope I can read it without stumbling too bad. <laughs> this is sort of Paul's Gospel 101 as he speaks of the resurrection. It says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the Gospel which I preach to you which also you receive, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. And then he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day, according to the scripture. Amen. And then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, 
he appeared to more than 500 uh, brethren at one time, at, at one time, most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can't we all say that? And his grace toward me did not prove anything. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Now, if Christ is preached, and he has been that he's been raised from the dead, how can some of some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. That's why the resurrection is such an important part of the message. It completes the message. You say this was kind of Paul's Gospel 101. And you notice several times he repeats in there, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. Now the scripture that Paul had, guess what it was? It was the Old Testament. And everything that happened was prophesied in the Old Testament. And it happened. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He rose on the third day. And lots of people saw it. Lots of people saw it. If it didn't happen, then we're all wasting our time here. Paul's saying. It's vain. It's, it, the New American Standard says uh, vain. Several other versions say vain. The NIV says useless. The, the Holman Christian Bible says without foundation. There you go. Verse 17, if you read it a little bit further, says that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. So this is why we celebrate. This is why we preach. This is why we teach. He is risen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We speak a lot about his death. And we should, because that was also necessary. Without that blood sacrifice, we have nothing. Amen. His blood is the only thing that could pay for our sins. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But we need to say more about the rest of the story. Because it glorifies Him as God. Lots of people have been killed for lots of different reasons. But the fact that He was able to rise again sets Him apart. Yes. And it reinforces the hope that's in the message that we preach. 
Because there's because of his resurrection, we have hope in our own resurrection. It's, a, it's an essential part of our message. Even the symbolism of baptism shows us that. Because what do we say? Uh, if you have a, a standard Baptist baptism, what do you say? Buried with him in that, raised to walk in newness of, newness of life. Uh, aren't we glad that it doesn't stop at the death part? I know there might be some people you'd like to hell hell but that's not the way it works. But we, we reduce the message. It, 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 I understand what people are saying when they say accept the Lord as, you know, accept Jesus as your Savior. He is become our He is our Savior. Yes, yes. But He must be our Lord. Yes. Romans uh, 10 9, that famous verse that we all know. And if you confess with your mouth yes. Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Two things to note there. First of all, that, that all important word, Lord. The Lord Jesus. When somebody is your Lord, you do what they say. Amen. Uh, you owe them allegiance. You owe them respect. Yes. Yeah. But then it also says you've got to believe that he raised him from the dead. Yes, Lord. It's part of the message. Amen. So we read through the scriptures and we find all of these uh, proofs of his resurrection. Let's look at the witnesses for a moment. First of all, one of the interesting things, if you read uh, people like uh, J. Warner Wallace or, or Frank Turek or some of those, there's several apologists uh, who have become prominent in the last few years, one of the things that they point out is who it is that got to be the first witness. It was a woman, Mary Magdalene, and then uh, some other women that were with her. These were the first people who saw Jesus after he was risen. Now why is that important? Well for one thing it, it, it affirms the way that God views women as every bit as important as, as every bit as precious. But it also is not the way if you wanted to make up a fake story in that culture at that time when women weren't valued they couldn't even, women couldn't even testify in court and be uh, taken seriously why in the world would you start your message with the women who wouldn't have anybody pay attention. Even the disciples didn't pay any attention to it first. But God is confirming, he's doing two things. He's confirming the importance of women. He's also making it highly unlikely that it would happen any other way. It's evidence of his grace and the value that he places. Mary was also among the followers of Jesus and, and helped provide for his needs. You find that in, in uh, Luke chapter 8. And she was the, the one who reported to the disciples who we've already said didn't believe her. But then you had the two people that were on, you remember the story in Luke chapter 24, the two people who were on the road and uh, Jesus had been crucified and they were talking it over. Jesus himself shows up and starts talking with them. Yeah, 
They don't recognize him until they get where they're going. And he breaks the bread, and then they realize. So they go uh, to tell other people what they've seen. And they get to Jerusalem, and they find out that all kinds of other people have seen him too. And then he appears to the, to the rest of the apostles that are there. And it might have been at the same at the same general time based on Luke 24-36. But Thomas wasn't with them the first time that he was together with them. Then a little bit later, uh, Thomas shows up and, and uh, that, you know, they go, they tell Thomas when Thomas doesn't believe, you know the story of doubting Thomas, right? I actually identify with Thomas pretty pretty well. I'm one of those people. And uh, show me, show me that I believe. And what I love about the way Jesus deals with Thomas is he doesn't condemn Thomas. He just, he, but he, he says something there. He says, you've seen and you believe, that's good. But even more, blessed are those who's, who have not seen and yet they still believe. You have a couple of other instances. You have that story in John about when he's... Uh, he sat them on the shore, and the, the disciples still don't know what to do with themselves. They've gone back to fishing. Mm -hmm. He shows up on the shore and, uh, and meets them one more time, drawing them back in. <laughs> and then you have that wonderful story in Matthew that we read last week, where you have people who themselves, after his resurrection, were, were raised from the dead and uh, went around telling people what had happened. Well, that must have been something. I wonder how they were recognized. Of course, they'd been an earthquake and the rocks were split and the tombs were open, so I guess it was pretty obvious. Yeah. But then 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that he appeared to some other people. Cephas there, if you don't know, that's another name for Peter. That's uh, Peter that they're talking about. Uh, that he appeared separately to Peter. And then, first, and then Paul also tells us in verse 6, that he appeared to 500 people at once. Wow. <laughs> and then to James, that's the brother of Jesus. And then also to Paul, which you can go read about that in, in Acts chapter 9, how, how Paul was converted. But everything he's done is, is being done to fulfill prophecies. And consider some things. I'm just going to go over a few brief uh, Brief things here to, to be considered. Your, their reputations were on the line. If Paul was saying this, and he's saying, you know, 500 people saw him, and most of them are still with us. Well, if Paul's not telling the truth, there's people around that can say, hey, that's not true. But they didn't say that, obviously. And if you, you know, if you knew that it wasn't true and you were going to be persecuted, wouldn't they come up and say, you know, uh, that's, not true, that's not true? But they didn't recant because they saw something real. Because he was there. They saw him. And even though in many cases it meant their life, they still affirm he is risen. There's also some, some logical proofs uh, that you can turn to when people question the resurrection. The big one, where's the body? There is no body. And there was a 
you know, a few years ago, when I first was putting all this together, uh, there had just recently been this Discovery Channel farce where they supposedly had found uh, the body of Jesus. Well, this really wasn't true. From the very beginning, there was this uh, story put out, it tells us in the scripture, there was a story put out that the body was stolen. There's a, uh, people who say, well, well, they were looking in the wrong tomb. They, wasn't, they, they didn't look in the right place for them. They looked in the wrong tomb. Or another, another theory, which uh, doctors tell us is medically impossible, but another thing that's going around is that, uh, well, he wasn't really dead. He wasn't really crucified, and a little bit later he revived and he went on and got out of the tomb. Oh, no. Even if that were possible, it took, it took several people to roll away the stone. Yeah. If you remember the women coming to the tomb, they were asking, who's going to move that rock? Yeah. Jesus didn't need any help. Amen. 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 The body would have solved a lot of problems for the people who wanted to keep this thing under wraps. But there was no body to be had. We've already talked about the, the, the fact that the testimony was coming from women who got no respect in court. So why in the world would the authors of the Old Testament of the New Testament hurt their case by using witnesses that wouldn't be respected during the time? And then you had these five hundred people. Uh, mass hallucination just doesn't happen. And, you know, they didn't have, in this day and age, we might think, well, you know, maybe they maybe they pulled some trick. They didn't have special effects back then like we do now. Uh, nobody could uh, make it, you know, uh, make any kind of, of, uh, of fake thing that everybody would see and believe the way we might could do that today. Then the other thing, that, that helps us know that it really happened was the boldness of his followers after his resurrection. Now before they knew he was raised, they were all high. They were afraid the Romans were going to come and get them too. They were all locked up, hiding away. Jesus just walks through the wall and says, hey, what are you doing? And now, now they've, they've changed from these timid people hiding behind the walls to people who boldly proclaim, He is risen. At least 10 of the, model, the, the apostles, the disciples, according to tradition, were martyred. The only one who, who wasn't martyred uh, was John. John was exiled on an island, and that's where he wrote uh, the book of Revelation. Every, uh, all of the other ones, uh, as, at least from what we know, uh, were martyred in some way for their faith. Christians were persecuted mercilessly in Rome. The emperor Nero would have them uh, tied up on stakes and tarred and burned as torches in his garden. But they did not deny the risen Lord. <clears throat> Persecution continues even to this day 
what uh, what else has lasted so long? Yeah, hallelujah. You know, we're we're at least so far. We call what we have here happening persecution, uh, and it is increasing, and there are real things going on. But compared to what was uh, what is being faced around the world now by people, mm -hmm. we still have it pretty easy. Yeah. We need to be praying for those people around the world. But also, isn't it encouraging to know by watching the faith of those people? I'll never forget. And I'm sure I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. I never will forget going on a trip to London. You know, we call it a mission trip. A mission trip to London. Really? <laughs> but we had this little street play that we were doing. And we were working with a Bible school. And this Bible school was full of students who came from the country of Iran. Where, actually, it is supposed to be legal to be a Christian. The problem is, you can't do anything that Christians do. So, it's, it's legally on the books that you can be a Christian, but if you actually do anything that Christians do, like go to church, like share your faith with other people, you're liable to get killed. Retain the Bible? Yeah. And these wonderful students that we were with, I'll never forget uh, just the peace and the sweetness about them, but we were sitting uh, in a prayer group uh, near the end of our trip, and we were sitting with this young lady and praying with her, whose father had been martyred for his faith in Iran. And where is she? She's in a Bible school learning the Bible so that she can go back and do the same thing. Amen. Amen. You tell me he's not risen. Amen. Amen. Archaeological findings, everything that we learn, every time you turn around, there's a new finding that confirms the validity of, of the things that we find in the New Testament. People try to say, oh, it was written later, but we know that nothing was written. The latest, anything that we have in the New Testament could have been written uh, was the year 82 AD. That means it was very close to the time of the events. Therefore, we have reason we can reasonably expect that it was accurate. In fact, we have more by multiple times. We have more copies of the old of the New Testament, the Old Testament too, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, we have more copies of the Bible in circulation. I, seems like I read somewhere, saw somewhere that we maybe have three copies of Homer's Iliad. And yet, we, the Bible's not reliable. Come on. And not only that, the contemporary writings that were written at the same time from people like Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, everything he said, you know, people uh, questioned his credibility, and he might, he might have had some problems. But uh, the things that he wrote uh, about the events surrounding the things we have in the New Testament concur. We can trust that what we have in our Bible is true. I also saw something at the time that uh, I was putting this together a few years ago, and we thought we, there's always been a question about whether or not the Shroud of Turin is a real thing. That's the, the thing that was supposedly on Jesus you know, when he was crucified. They did some testing on it, and they found out that 
there's a possibility that might actually be the, the real thing. They cannot disprove it. They cannot disprove it, no. So praise God. We serve a risen Lord. Yes. We serve a living God. Yes. He is risen. Yes. And it is crucial to our message. Let us not ever forget. Because that's where our hope is. Amen. Because of his resurrection, we will have our resurrection. I want to read you one more thing. From uh, 1 Corinthians 15 again. We'll move down to verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. Yes. And we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal has put on immortality, then it will come about, then will come about the saying that is written. Oh, death, where is... Hallelujah. Death will be swallowed up in... I'm sorry, I started reading the wrong... Saying it out of my head instead of reading it. Death is swallowed up in victory. Yeah. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Yeah. This promise, this promise that we have is only available if you have made Jesus Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, don't let another time, another day go by. He is risen and He's waiting for you to join Him in life eternal. Thank you, Lord Jesus, once again for what you did. Thank you for your, your death on that cross and the fact that you didn't stay there. You didn't stay in the ground. You came back. You rose again. You came back so that we would see and know that you are indeed Almighty God. Amen. And we look forward to that day when you will come again and set this world right. Yes, Lord. Let no one here leave today without knowing that you are their God. And you are their salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.